listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the show and thanks for joining in. You know, it was really nice to see, uh, to pass Jen Valentine and her husband Greg as I was coming into studio. They were here talking about uh, the new beer that Greg's got uh, called Hero. So it was really nice to kind of see some familiar faces. You never know who you're going to bump into only because this place is usually a ghost town on a Saturday afternoon. So thanks for tuning in. I'm live with you until 4 p.m. Feel free to text in at 71010 during the show. You can also uh, tweet me at Pei Chen. Now, do you love desserts? Do you like cake? Well, we've got a great interview coming up for you, and uh, I've got some great guests who are going to talk about... Uh, but I guess trends in the industry in terms of cakes and baked goods. And if you know me, then you know that I love sugar. It's like my, it's my favorite food group next to cheese and bread. If I had to, it's, I don't even know how I would choose between those. Um, I did something kind of fun this week. There's a new Food Network web series called uh, Neighborhood Eats. It's going to launch online, uh, I think sometime in a couple of weeks, maybe sometime this summer for sure. So each episode features like a different food person. Some of them are, are chefs. Some of them are uh, like media personalities like myself. And each episode is fronted by a different person and they choose a neighborhood that they love. And then they feature three different eating establishments. So it could be a cafe, it could be a restaurant, it could be a bakery. And uh, they kind of highlight three places that they love. And it's really just encouraged people to to visit different neighborhoods in these various cities across Canada. So I was pretty thrilled to be asked to do an episode and, um, and be able to get on to tape uh, some of the places that I love and the foods that I love in the city. And it was in the East End. So I won't tell you what it is yet because once it's online, I'll let you know. But um, if you hop onto my Instagram, you could pretty much figure out where I was earlier this week. And if you want some gardening tips, you can find the podcast of last week's show with gardening expert Frankie Flowers. Uh, he had really great tips on like what to plant, when, how to take care of them, how to fertilize them naturally, what plants grow easily, which ones you know need a lot of light, maybe don't need as much. Um, and so after the show, I felt super inspired. I was like, I'm going to I'm going to grow something for the first time and I'm not going to kill it. I'm going to actually grow a plant. I'm going to keep it alive at least for the summer. So I was out in Kensington Market and I bought a couple of seedlings because you find them everywhere. Like even corner stores now will sell like little basil, little, um, you know, the tiny little starter lettuce type of thing. So I buy a bunch of those. I get them home. Then I realize that it is pretty impossible to find a bag of soil downtown Toronto. There's no gardening center set up. So I, I know there's this like random weird little hardware store near me and he, and I call them. I said, do you have soil? He's like, yeah, we do. So I go in and I discover that they had one bag left and one bag fill did not even fully fill up a very, like small sized pot. So in my mind, I'm thinking, how many trips do I have to make to every little hardware store across the city on foot? Let's remember, I don't have a car. So everything needs to be within walking distance. And I realized I needed like kilos um, of soil. So this is my hot tip to anyone who's a budding entrepreneur is to do some sort of um, like soil delivery at the start of the season to all of those condo towers downtown. You wouldn't even have to drive far. You wouldn't even have to do it often. You would pick a couple of weekends during like end of May, early June. You would you would get people to pre-order online and then you would know that at uh, you know 100 uh, King Street West, you had to drop off 20, 10 kilo bags or something. I'm serious. This is a really 
big money-making idea, and someone less lazy than myself should take advantage of it. I would order. Just tell me when you start your business. Uh, Just a reminder as well, Toronto Taste takes place Sunday, June 12th at Chorus Key. I'll be broadcasting live here on News Talk 1010 from 5 until 7 p.m. that Sunday, along with Zane Kaplansky. So we did it last year. We had a great time. We'll be doing it again. So we hope to see you there. And uh, coming up later on the show, I'll tell you about Toronto's first barbecue week. That's starting on Monday. And I'll have the details for you. So uh, as I mentioned off the top, I'm really looking forward to the conversation I'm going to have with my two guests in studio. I have Bonnie Gordon, the woman behind the Bonnie Gordon College of Confectionery Arts. Also, Michael Smith. He's the COO of the college, I believe. Is that correct, Bonnie? Yes, yes. correct. And also a head pastry instructor at the Bonnie Gordon College. And the college opened up in uh, 2009, right? Roughly? School opened around 2005, okay. and it became a private career college in 2009. So so in yeah. those, um, well, 10 years that you've yes. had students, how many graduates have you had? Hundreds. 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 Like th- into the thousands? I, I, I think we've changed the landscape in Toronto. I think there's a reason why we have so many cupcake shops, so many fine bakeries selling beautiful cakes is because we've been around over 10 years. Uh, you're absolutely right because even in the past ten years, when you know, when cupcakes really took off and people went and opened uh, very sort of dessert specific stores, that was kind of a new thing. It was a passing trend, we thought. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just think like, oh, you know what? For maybe people will want this for a year or so. Yeah, we didn't think it was going to last. Boy, were we wrong. <laughs> but what a great surprise! It's awesome. It's wonderful. Any uh, anytime anything sweet takes on, we're happy. Now, I know that some people listening are are probably thinking, "Hey, I know that name Bonnie Gordon." I and you know, they probably associate you with sweets, with cakes, but some would call you the queen of custom cakes. Like you really took charge of that niche little industry because for so long wedding cakes were these like three-tiered cakes with white icing, fondant, you know, little flowers. They're all very much the same. They were provided by the caterer as part of your wedding dessert table. That was it. Uh, it was, oh, was it. so it was kind of, I want to, it wasn't an afterthought, but it was like an all-inclusive of package. Table. That's right. When I got married, that's what we got. They said, do, wedding, do you want a wedding cake? Yes. The chef was trying to convince me to get a crock and bush. In my mind, I had a vision of a bride and groom on top of my cake. All I wanted was a bride and groom. I didn't care what my cake looked like. Oh. And it was in the middle of the dessert table. That yes. was it. That was in the 80s. And then the 90s, everything changed. Everything changed. Do you, do you attribute that change to anything yes, particular? to what? Martha Stewart. Oh, yeah, to Martha. To Martha. And the reason why is because in Canada, we didn't really, or in the United States, we didn't know fondant. And fondant was very popular in the UK and Australia because they use fruitcake and they use fondant or royal icing to coat their cakes to preserve the fruitcake. Mm-hmm. And so what Martha did is she brought over, specifically Wendy Cromer, who was Martha's top designer. And she started showing these magnificent cakes in Martha Stewart weddings, and everybody was just amazed. They had never seen anything like it. And the world changed. And my background is in fine arts. And so for someone coming with a background in fine arts, it was just a change of medium. And I immediately grabbed onto the fondant, and it really is three-dimensional art, Mm -hmm. edible art. And I was in the right place at the right time. I became very popular very quickly because there just was, there were a handful of us in the city at this, at that time. Because at the time you were starting, it was when it was really sort of taking off. So you were like an early adopter. I was, (laughs) I was, I saw it as 
just like your idea about gardening downtown pay is the exact same thing. <laughs> my I, soil, my dirt I delivery business. Brilliant idea. <laughs> Thanks, Bonnie. Brilliant. I am not just saying it to, I mean it. That's brilliant. <laughs> Um, I saw it and I just, it just spoke to me because I was studying, I was taking chef classes. I turned to sweets and I took a cake decorating course and the course that I took, I found very restrictive, very limiting because I was told that I had to pipe my flowers a specific way. Mm-hmm. I had to create, um, everything I created was set to a very specific style that was very popular in the UK at that time, very rigid. And what happened is that Martha Stewart and Wendy, they broke the mold. They really changed. And so really, I approached it the way any artist would approach a new material. I just went for it. Um, I was fearless. And in those days, you know, today you can buy any cake decorating supply, any tool you want online. In those days, I had to make everything myself. I had to figure it out myself, those like 12, 15 tier high cakes. Wow. It was really a matter of, uh, you know what it is? It's like, if you're the kind of person who likes a challenge, it's mm-hmm. the best challenge in the world is coming up with a design that... You sell it to your client that, okay, how the heck am I going to pull this off? <laughs> I've just sold them on this great idea or a great drawing, I'm sure, right? Beautiful and then you idea. have to make oh, it 3D. quick sketch that yep. was like, I didn't even draw it out because I wasn't even sure how I was going to pull it off. <laughs> but I just said, you know, look at my work. My work stands for itself. And so really at that time, it was it was one of those situations where you got to be in the right place at the right time. And looking back now, I realized that it was just a combination of... Um, sheer luck mm-hmm. because you're speaking of Toronto taste and my first cake I ever did, my first very tall centerpiece cake was for Toronto taste. Is that right? It was many years ago. Um, it was, I don't know, maybe it was like 2003 or four. I mm-hmm. can't remember what it was exactly. I did this very, and I remember the poster had grapes on it and I did a grape wine themed, very tall cake for Toronto taste. And I did that for a number of years where I would do these large centerpiece cakes and I, I got some gorgeous photographs of my cakes and that's where was my foot in the door was because the photographs were sent to magazines. In those days, all the wedding magazines had photographs of cakes that were made at home. I think they were taken at mm-hmm. home and then they were sent into the magazines and I had So they studio- weren't professional? No, was that what you mean? And then I had studio ready, gorgeous photographs of my cakes. So if you looked at my cakes in the magazines, they stood out. So you you approach it almost in a way that because um, I know your family you come from a long line of family de- uh, designers, of, uh, designers yes. fashion designers. Yes. You approach it like a fashion shoot. My mom was a brilliant fashion designer, as was my grandfather, and so right from the start, I was not intimidated. And I remember my mom, like as a child, my mom hand beating for weeks on end, wow. intricate gowns, and so. I, I just took to it naturally. It yeah. was really an extension. And my mom was very proud because she was in the industry as well and she I, loved it. I also love that, um, and we'll talk a bit more about yeah. this after the break, that it's not so much, you don't really call it cake decorating so much as designing. Well, those are two different things. Mm-hmm. Look, because a cake decorator is someone who has could have brilliant skills, uh, and but a designer is the person who sends, sets the trends for the next season. Right. There's styles, just like fashion, just like hems go up and down. Like, in the, when around 2000, 2001, 2002, I would make these very elaborate cakes, and then they became plain after a few years, and now they're popular again. All right, we're going to talk more about the trends and the flavors, and Michael's going to uh, join in and let us know what sorts of things we can expect more of in pastry and desserts and the things you might be finding on the uh, dessert menu the next time you're out. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. <laughs> This is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. 
Hey, if there's one thing I always have room for, it's dessert. And I know I talk about it a lot. I take a lot of photos of sweets. Uh, you can find them on my Instagram, at PayChen. And it's funny because one of the comments I get the most, and I'm sure, Bonnie, you get this as well, um, is... How come you're not 500 pounds? Yes. Right. And Bonnie, you're quite a lean All woman. The time. All the time. And, and because you're all, and for you, especially because it's actually your business and your career, you would have been sampling as you go along. For me, I'm just a glutton and I can't say no. Um, and I say, you know what I spend the most money on is the gym. <laughs> I spend more on the gym than anything else. So, uh, my guests are Bonnie Gordon from the Bonnie Gordon College of Confectionery Arts, also someone I would refer to as the cake queen, and Michael Smith, the chief operating officer and uh, head pastry instructor. So we're here to talk about the the evolution of um, desserts and pastry trends and cakes. Like it's it's a really broad topic, but we started with the cupcake because I feel that um, when cupcake shops started popping up within the past decade, that would be correct. Not even ten years ago, um, it was a really big deal because at that time you would get your little desserts at the grocery store. Um, you you would get your donuts at the coffee shop. Um, if you ordered a specialty dessert, it was from someone who probably didn't have a storefront so much. But suddenly we were, we were being trained to buy a $3 cupcake. And I think that was an adjustment for some people. But now, you know, you, you can easily find a cupcake store or a really beautiful bakery on almost any street corner. Everywhere. All around town. Everywhere. Now, um, Michael, can we talk a little bit about the evolution of the cupcake? Because that sort of yeah. kicked off a lot of things. Because then it, I remember a few years ago, like within the last five years, people said, oh, it's donuts. Donuts are yes, the new exactly. cupcake. Yeah. And then it became um, uh, eclairs, which I don't think have quite caught on as much right. as donuts or beginning. cupcakes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, with cupcakes, I think what kind of set it off is it speaks to that nostalgic part that's in all of us, right? Um, something we would have eaten as a kid. Um, and it just kind of evolved from there. We turned it into this kind of whole couture, beautiful pastry that you would never really associate the two together, right? This high-end pastry with a cupcake that, that is just kind of ordinary and everyday. So it's interesting to see how it evolved. And I mean, for us too, I think when it came, we were kind of like, oh, this is just a passing trend. And we were almost reluctant to jump on board, but eventually you almost have to. And with the cupcake, it's interesting because, you know, it was almost kind of waning, it seemed like, but now it has come back with these beautiful floral piped cupcakes that we're starting to see. So you just, uh, and I just tweeted out a photo at Pei Chen of these beautiful cupcakes that you brought in and you say they're Korean style. What makes them Korean style? Because I yes. assume that that must mean the, dessert, the cake itself okay. is different, but... So, okay, so Korean style, really um, where it comes from is, I mean, nowadays there's this, such a global influence on pastry and food in general, um, especially with social media, right, Instagram and everything, we're always seeing photos every day. And with the floral piped cupcakes, it's not something specific to Korea, but what we were noticing is a lot of um, hobbyists uh, from the Middle East, Korea, Indonesia, they were starting to do these very intricately piped uh, floral designs. Whereas before we might have just piped one flower on a cupcake, mm -hmm. all of a sudden now people are piping all these little different flowers, arranging them into almost bouquets on the cupcake. So it is a, a trend that's predominantly out of Korea, where hobbyists are just kind of going at it on their own and not being constricted by any preconceptions about what a cupcake should look like. Because the detail, like this one cupcake, it does, it looks like a bouquet. It's right. all these little flowers, all these different little leaves, and it's all on the surface of a very 
average size cupcake. Exactly. Yeah. It and takes it, a lot more patience than I have. It takes, it's, <laughs> it takes an incredible amount of patience. Um, they are very labor intensive. I mean, we do it because they look so beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it does take a very long time. The interesting thing about them is you have to do all the flowers um, separately, you know, let them dry, let them harden, arrange them. So it's quite a process to put them together. Now the, um, when you set up shop, I guess, uh, Bonnie, you know, you said the college started in, in 2009. What were you teaching people then that is different than what you're teaching them now? Cake design. So at the beginning, yeah. it was a design school. People came to us to learn cake design. There were very few places where you could learn cake design at so the level. So was it very I, specific to specific wedding cakes in, in a wedding sense? Wedding cakes, yeah. celebration cakes. Okay. And what happened is that... I was finding that a lot of the people who were coming to me were taking classes and all they wanted to do was learn how to decorate and they didn't care about the baking. And because we take great pride in making beautifully tasting products, I insisted that the students, if they wanted to decorate, they had to learn how to bake. And we slowly moved from a cake decorating school into a baking and pastry arts college, where now I would say three quarters of our emphasis is on pastry and baking. Uh, we have fantastic pastry instructors. Yes, we're still known for cake decorating, but also the baking and pastry. And we have this division mm-hmm. as part of the college uh, where we also sell pastries for events, baked goods. And it's very important that the instructors are also industry professionals. They're still mm-hmm. working in the industry to create beautiful works of art because our teachers have to be on the cutting edge. They have to know, they have to set the trends so that when our students come and study with us, they are exposed to really not sort of old fashioned, but really what's current. Now, are there, um, and maybe Michael, you can answer this, like certain uh, expectations that you have to manage of students that come in because it says confectionery college. So to me, that means, you know, there's some chocolate work in there. Maybe right. there's baking, there's perhaps you can focus on the stream. I'm not really sure, but, okay. um, but you know, and, and then the decorating part. So making beautiful desserts and a lot of your graduates mm-hmm. uh, are responsible for many of the popular bakeries and shops that are in the city now. But I would imagine that not everyone who enters such a course also graduates, like because that's that's just the reality of any sort of whether you go into medicine or you want to be a chef or whatever it is. Right. There are people who kind of think this is going to be. I have an idea of it being this way, but the reality is, oh, it's much more work than I thought. <laughs> it's really funny because students will come in, and and I think again, I, I kind of blame social media because they see all these posts from, you know, they just assume everyday people that are posting these beautiful things that they create. So. They see a macaron or a beautiful eclair or these Korean-style cupcakes, and they come in and they say, you know, I want to learn this. And and they have very high expectations of themselves. And some are very surprised at what they can accomplish. They never knew that they could do that before, that they had that in them. Um, some kind of do see the harsh reality, like you said. And But they always, you know, they tailor it, and we always guide them along. And whereas they might have had an expectation of, you know, being a, this... Uh, incredible cake designer or decorator, maybe they realize during the program that they're actually more tuned to baking and pastry Mm -hmm. and they find that kind of passion instead. All right. Well, we're going to take a a quick break here on the show, but when we come back, I want to talk to Bonnie about these uh, $12,000 cakes and what that involves. (laughs) And also, uh, Michael, I'll get you to weigh in on some of the flavor trends, the things that we're going to see more of. Some of you might notice that, you know, eclairs have been popping up, Mm -hmm. cream puffs are, you know, a, a bit more available with different flavors. 
flavors, but what can we expect in the next year, perhaps? And if you're planning a function or let's say a brunch or a shower, uh, you might want to know what is going to be popular, what's coming up. So you can say, you know, just like Bonnie was, you were an early adopter. So that's coming up later on the show. We're taking a quick break here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Opinions are celebrated. The Paychen Show on News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. You know that uh, fancy cupcake that you may have had at someone's birthday party, retirement party, bridal shower, or maybe that quirky birthday cake or wedding cake that you looked at and you saw and you said, wow. Is that really a cake? I can't tell you how many times I've actually said that. I've seen like a beautiful cake that's like, looks like a real, not real, but you know, it's a very lifelike looking flamingo or something like that. And you go, is that a cake? And I've always been fascinated by really beautiful, edible works of art. And my two guests in studio are the perfect uh, people to be speaking about this. Bonnie Gordon from the Bonnie Gordon uh, Confectionery College. Also, Michael Smith, who is the uh, COO there and uh, head pastry instructor. Now, You've seen a lot of graduates over the years, many of them who've opened up their own shops here in Toronto. A lot of them, a lot of the people who own some of the top bakeries in the city are your graduates. Uh, so we talked about cupcakes. We talked a little bit about donuts. Uh, in the commercial break, I was saying uh, that I felt like the girls at uh, the Rolling Pin Bakery and um, Glory Hole Donuts out in Parkdale, they've really taken like that humble donut that we were, you know, that chocolate dip or that Boston cream that you used to get, and they've created these crazy donut um, concoctions, you know, like they're piled like six inches high. They've got all kinds of sauces and things on them. What can we expect next? Like what is, what might these, this dessert trend move into? Um, well, I think, and I mean, one trend that we were kind of on top of uh, like one or two years ago was the uh, eclair trend that mm-hmm. is really huge in Paris right now from Paris. It's in Japan as well. And I think it's starting to slowly catch on. I mean, we have new gateau, which focuses on Eclair, and I think it will just kind of continue to expand from there. It didn't take off as quickly as I thought it would as right. well two Thank years ago because it was the it, it came on the tail of the donuts, mm-hmm. right? So it was like oh, Eclairs, they'll be everywhere, and they weren't so much, right? Yeah, I almost kind of wonder too because I find everyone always gravitates to kind of small personalized things, so. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting to see if there's like a profiterole or cream puff shop that starts opening up soon that does oh. all these different flavors and crazy decorations. So I think it will expand from there. Now, there's been a rise, I would say, in the past year, year and a half of the Japanese uh, desserts in Toronto because it I think anyone who has a bit of an Asian background is like, yeah, matcha, come on. I've been having that kind of thing for years. Yeah. Uh, but it's gone mainstream. So you see the lineups at uh, Bay and Dundas for Uncle Tetsu. He's now opened like three other versions of Uncle Tetsu. Right. You see matcha now, which um, is the like Japanese green tea powder. Yes. Uh, like That used to be very niche. It was something that you might find at a Japanese restaurant after your meal. But now it's very mainstream to have a matcha donut, a matcha cookie. Um mm-hmm. Are there certain flavors that you see coming, you know, into the mainstream in the next year? I think uh, a lot of it will kind of be coming from Japan. It's what I kind of foresee. I mean, matcha is just going to continue to explode. The nice thing about matcha is because of the, uh, just the, the product that it is, because it's not regular green tea that you have to steep, it's so much easier to include it in pastries because it's just a dry powder. You know, you can add it to cakes, to cookies. It gives such a bright, vivid color, such a strong taste. So it's very really versatile in the pastry kitchen. Um, I think from Japan too, 
you know, ingredients like sakura, the cherry blossom, the pandan, yuzu. I mean, yuzu has also is one that has been around for a while too. But I think those are what you're going to start to see more of. I, um, I'm noticing lots of florals mm-hmm. starting to pop up. So I think continuing on that trend as well as tea. Oh, yeah. I'm noticing tea is not just for drinking anymore. Exactly. I mean, like you look at David's tea and all the crazy flavors that they have, and I mm-hmm. think that's starting to translate to pastry as well. Now, so that's what we can look for. Yes. It's like our Earl, Earl Grey, everything yeah, too. Yeah, Earl Grey. I, was, I love it, right? I was just at Roselle, which is a beautiful little pastry shop at uh, King and Parliament. And uh, a lot of her things, uh, a lot of her desserts are tea infused because she loves Earl Grey. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. That is absolutely something I'm seeing a lot more of. Now, yeah. Bonnie, I want to talk a bit about, so you really came into the wedding cake. <laughs> industry when it was ready for a change. And I read in an article that you had um, com- you've been commissioned to do a $12,000 wedding cake. This was a few years ago. And when I asked you about it, you said, oh no, there, there were a few of those. So mm-hmm. for people who are listening and saying $12,000 cake, what's involved in that? A lot of work, a lot of labor, months mm-hmm. of labor. So first of all, to break it down, a $12,000 cake might be at a $500,000 wedding. Right. Uh, there might be $50,000 worth of orchids flown in from the South Pacific. It's all relative to everything else at the wedding. Though I have made very elaborate, very tall cakes where the clients wanted to put all their money into the cake. Really? So that was their right. focus. They the said, we, we'll skimp on flowers, we'll mm-hmm. skimp on, That's right. I don't know, whatever else. The cake is the center. It's the main centerpiece. Mm-hmm. When you walk into a wedding, there are flowers on all the tables, but there's only one cake. The cake is really the edible art. It's, it's really evolved into a very specific um, centerpiece in a wedding. Uh, the only way to say it is that it's, it's something that people really, really want to have or don't want to have. What was, uh, I'm sure there were a few, but what was perhaps one of the more challenging things you had to accomplish during your career as a, as a cake designer? Well, one was 15 tiers high and the client... Oh my God! How <laughs> can you even keep something like... How do you it's, do that? It's, it's um, you need an army first of all to transport it. Mm-hmm. The what was challenging is that the client wanted the cake cut at the at, in the middle of the room, in the middle of the reception room. And usually, when you have a very large cake, it's taken apart back to the kitchen and it's cut for service in the kitchen. She was insisting that we cut it. Well, you know, you cut a cake. Well, if you're going to cut the bottom, it's going to fall over because you can't take it from the bottom. And it had to. I had to figure out how did I create a structure where the cake was built around. It's hard to describe, but around mm-hmm. the cake core right. so that we could cut it and go up and cut the cake without everything falling over. 15 tiers. 15 Imagine tiers. that toppling over. Yeah, it was a challenge. So what I would do, but just, just give a little secret away, yeah. is that <laughs> most weddings don't have more than three, 400 people, um, 500 people, and that a cake that's 15 tiers high, well, that could serve 2,000 people. So the cake was only partial fresh cake. Mm-hmm. And the rest of it is uh, a cake dummy, which is decorated in the exact same way as the actual fresh cake. It's the same It's the same. It's the thing. kind of cake you see in the, dis- the display the of display bakeries. Cake. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. Because people, otherwise you're just throwing it in the garbage. It's wasteful. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely wasteful to just make it and throw it away. Now, I know that I want to touch on this new catering division that you have. And I- I'm wondering, because because you brought some treats as a surprise, they're absolutely... What- I can't even describe this. It's this beautiful little round dessert. Um, it's shiny and it's got like a little petal, like a flower petal on it. Is this something that's done in your catering division? Absolutely. So one other trend that we're kind of noticing too, and it's nothing really new in the world of French pastry, but our entremet and anything kind of glazed with this beautiful shiny miroir glaze. So 
what we have there is a, a mousse in the shape of a balm and then glazed with that. And you're right. It's very beautiful and shiny. So it's a mousse? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> so what kind of desserts are you doing in this cage? So this is basically... There's two things. One, if people really wanted to pursue a career or learn more about pastry and cake uh, design and decorating, uh, that's that's what the college is for. A lot of people aren't going to do that. They just like to eat like myself. Uh, so you decided to provide the actual desserts and pastries for people who are like me, just want to eat nice things. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We do, you know, custom wedding cakes. We do pastries for your sweet table. We would do uh, baked goods for any kind of corporate function and meeting at the office, anything like that. We recently did a launch for a new, an artist's studio. She just opened her studio and we did fantastic confections that really reflected who she is as an artist, her her color palette, everything. It was, it was a lot of fun. Where do you think Canada ranks in terms of uh, desserts and pastries? Because I know, I know, I don't know about you, Michael, but I know that Bonnie travels a lot and you've been to a lot of places where I think it's like a research trip and you see what they're doing and, and the influences there. Where do we stand? Are we kind of like on top of the trends or are we <laughs> lagging a bit behind? I like to think that at the college... And as a designer, we've been setting trends for many years. That's a good way to put it. Absolutely. <laughs> I think we're in a good position, too, with um, such a multicultural and global influence that we do get these trends coming in, and, and I feel like sometimes we are ahead of the game. Well, uh, you definitely changed the scene in the city, for sure, Bonnie. And I think, as you mentioned, uh, some of the most exciting desserts to be had in Canada are often seen in Toronto and the GTA because we have that multicultural influence. So the fact that so many shops that are not specifically in Asian areas, for example, but sell Asian-influenced desserts can do well, I think says a lot to, I think, how people's palates have changed. The city's changed. It's not the same city it was 20 years ago. We all know that, right? It's a totally transformed city. And all the new immigrants, people who have moved to Toronto, have brought their, their heritage, their palate with them. And we love going out for Ethiopian food. We love going out for, there's so many, so many wonderful restaurants. So the, uh, for if you want more information about the college, it's bonniegordoncollege.com. And if you want to find out more about the beautiful edible desserts that, they're, uh, that they do, or if you've got an event that you want a beautiful sweet table and some gorgeous desserts done, you can always get in touch. So the catering side is called, what is it? Deliciously Gorgeous by Bonnie Gordon, <laughs> because everything we do is delicious and Gorgeous. It absolutely is. Thank you both so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. That's Bonnie Gordon and Michael Smith. After the break, Toronto Barbecue Week kicks off on Monday. I'll tell you how you can enjoy great barbecue in the city. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. The Pay Chen Show continues on In-Depth Radio. News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. I I am so perplexed at how it took so long for Toronto to have a barbecue week. Like, it just seems like this should have been happening all along, every summer. So, uh, better late than ever. The first annual Toronto Barbecue Week kicks off on June 6th, runs until the 12th, so that starts on Monday. Uh, one of the chefs and restaurants taking part is Corey Vitiello. He's from the Harvard Room, and uh, he joins me now. Hi, Corey. Hi, Pei. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, and I'm pretty stoked for this uh, Toronto Barbecue Week. 
Everybody's pretty stoked. The weather's warm. Everybody's got the barbecues out. The patios are packed. The best time in the city to be at a restaurant and cooking in one, especially. I just, I feel like all you have to say is Toronto. Barbecue. Amazing. I'm there. Um, so what's what's happening from the 6th to the 12th? 6th to the 12th, we partnered up with Sam Adams, who's always been a great, you know, they've always been, you know, buying some really great projects in the city. So Toronto Barbecue Week, a uh, handful of restaurants, some of my favorites, Campagnola, um, Piano Piano. You know, I think uh, Cheese Boutique's behind a lot of it as well. So we are doing, um, or my chef and I, uh, Robbie Hohia, we've got a little uh, Sam Adams tapas. So it's, not, it's not a tapas, it's a, uh, obviously part of the barbecue week. So we're doing a fish take on it. Now, Ooh. I don't know what constitutes barbecue in your world, but I think anything that gets a little bit of smoke and kisses the grill, mm-hmm. we can call barbecue. So we're going the fish route, and I doubt anybody else is. So a little different, but we're doing a smoked and grilled ocean trout on a really nice, beautiful summer salad. That's getting paired with a pint of Sam Adams beer, 15 bucks all week long. Uh, you know, we've got a beautiful sunny patio. It's a great day. So how it works is that the, the participating restaurants are all doing a unique uh, barbecue item for the week, right? Exactly. Yeah. So everybody has a dish paired with a uh, pint of Sam Adams and it runs through the 6th to the 12th, $15. It's a great deal. It's a great way to cross promote the brands, the restaurants, the chefs, and just get people out on patios eating celebrating the weather, the city, the beers. It's great, too, because I think a lot of the restaurants are doing a menu item that isn't typically on their menu, so they may not be known for barbecue. I mean, I think of like a, a restaurant that's fairly close to me that I love is, is Pie, and they do Thai food. So it's you don't usually find a barbecue uh, menu item there, so it's kind of cool that some of these restaurants are doing something a little bit different and, and specific uh, for barbecue week. It is. It's a great way to engage the neighborhood, the cooks, and, you know, in the kitchen and in restaurants. And, you know, it's all about celebrating the community and the neighbors. And this, you know, gives an accessible price point for people to come in and check out the restaurants, drink some Sam Adams, have some barbecue food. You know, <laughs> you know is, like a cold beer and yeah, barbecue food is like a pretty, it's a pretty great way to spend a nice it is. summer it's, you know, night. $15, it's, it's, you know, it's more about just encouraging the neighborhood to come in and support the restaurants. And likewise, we support our neighborhoods. And I know that the restaurants, uh, they're spread out all over the city. So like yourself, you're on um, Harvard. Uh, there's places that are out near the beach, some restaurants out that way, East End, West End. Um, I was looking online at uh, some of the uh, menu items like Greenwood Smokehouse Barbecue on the Danforth. They're doing it's like really cool things. So smoked pastrami, short ribs with roasted cauliflower puree, like that sounds hey, I think fab. you should do the barbecue restaurant crawl. I think you got it. You could literally kill a whole week, try all of them. Somebody has to. Somebody has to do this. It could be you. You know what? I should. St- hey, I you like really this should. idea. Right. I, I just need to like. I only have good ideas. I'm surprised I, you didn't know that. I just need to rent like a little a little bus or something, or I'll do like an Uber, and we'll oh, hey. stop in to Dropping like brands all over the all over the radio show today. <laughs> I'll just uh, you know we'll we'll find a way to get from place to place to place and uh, without having to deal with anyone driving and like eat a lot of barbecue and you know have a cold beer and you could, and you could make this a thing. I think you could, make, you could you could make this a thing. I think you get quite a little following. Hey, you know what, a Corey? I think traveling it... around with you, getting thrown on a barbecue <laughs> week bus. I'm sure Sam Adams will buy you a new Mercedes or something to drive around in. Like, oh, I'm sure they would the love back. that idea. Well, oh, yeah. okay, but we'll we'll kick it off at the Harvard Room then, right? <laughs> I should hope so. <laughs> and then we'll have like we'll have a big party. Um, there's also, I believe, during the week, there's a, a chance to win a trip for two to Boston. Yes, that's right. Okay, so hey, okay, how does that work? I might I might try and enter that. 
Well, you might not be qualified <laughs> to do it, but you can always I'm try. Sorry, I, we are going to Boston. <laughs> yes. So I'm it's a, the chef in, in September. Oh, really? Maybe it's part of that. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. That'd be fun. So torontobarbecueweek.com is the website uh, to find out more. And again, there's a, a, the list of restaurants that are taking part. So for 15 bucks, you get a great barbecue offering and uh, you get some Samuel Adams Boston lager as well to go along with it. And don't forget to visit Corey and start your, uh, your barbecue hey, crawl right. there. <laughs> All right, Knock thanks. off like five within 10 minutes. Up. It would be amazing. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Faye. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, have, have a, a great day. day. Bye. <laughs> See you later. All right. So, again, if you want to find out more information, torontobarbecueweek.com. It's just kind of amazing to me that uh, it's such a brilliant idea, and this is going to be the first annual. Um, there's also... <laughs> If you want to find podcasts of the show, you can do that online. It's uh, paychen.com. And I keep thinking back to the show I had last week where Frankie Flowers or Frank Ferragini uh, was on the show with um, gardening tips because I'm someone who knows nothing about gardening, who's never, I didn't grow up with a family that gardened. I didn't grow up with a garden. I didn't have any outdoor space uh, as an adult. So it was really not a thing that I was interested in doing, but I'm really determined this year that I am going to grow my own salad bar and I'm just going to walk out onto my balcony and there's going to be all kinds of fresh things to eat there. Um, I did like Frank's tip to me. He said, you're not going to grow carrots on your balcony and you're not going to grow asparagus. And I thought, all right, I can uh, do without growing those two things for myself. Um, there's also, if you are anywhere near Bay in Bloor uh, on Monday, there is a, a new place called Pi Co, like P-I, and they do um, pizza. So they're having a grand opening. And if you like free pizza, which I'm sure a lot of people do, they're giving away free pizza for three hours and 14 minutes. So, you know, 3.14 pie. Okay. So they're doing it starting from noon until 3.14 p.m. And uh, they're located at 1200 Bay Street, just north of Bloor. So if you do work in that area and it is a very busy intersection, hey, you can think about going to maybe like... I would get there earlier, sooner rather than later. Line up, you know, get there maybe just before noon and be one of the first people uh, to be able to, hey, enjoy a free lunch. Why not? Um, I found the story that uh, I... I'd like you to weigh in on it. You can text in at 71010. I might even get uh, Mike Trutler to weigh in on it because he'll have a different opinion. Uh, it's it's not the first country to do this, but um, there are a few provinces, a few areas in China that have sparked a little bit of outrage because they have created female-only parking spaces. They happen to be 50% wider than the other parking spaces. And the reason they say is because women are bad at parking. 71010, let me know what you think. Good idea, a bad idea. Uh, so as I mentioned, China's not the first province to do this. There have been other, there were, um, there have been shops, like shopping malls and centers in Austria, Switzerland, Germany, who have painted parking spaces pink and made them, if not 50% wider, twice as wide as other parking spots. 
Mike, what do you think about this? He just raised his eyebrows like, oh my God, I'm going to get in so much trouble. There's a lot of things I could say that could get me in trouble. I, uh, well, you know, I don't think it's right to, uh, you know, be outright differentiating and segregating between male and female drivers like that. I mean, how much of a problem is it really? Is, you know, are they really doing a lot of research to, 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 to finalize that? Yes, it is actually female drivers <laughs> that are the majority that give us the majority of our problems on the roads. I mean, what kind of work did they do to come to this resolution? Apparently, uh, this this parking lot said that um, they decided the women-only spaces were needed because they noticed that some female drivers were having a lot of trouble reversing into parking spots or else they were parking carelessly. So, oh, Kyle just texted in from Hamilton and said, best idea ever. (laughs) <laughs> I bet that's not even his real name. It's not Kyle. It's not your real name. Uh, yeah. So fifty percent wider. So here's my thing with that. Um, I I don't own a car. So when I drive, I rent a car, and I often will rent a, a small car. I'll rent like a Fiat, which is really tiny. And so I'm like, okay, it's cool. I can park in this because I don't drive all the time. I'm really nervous. I will never rent a larger car because I'm really scared of having to park it. If I if there was a space that was wider. I'd be pretty happy. I think my issue with it is that they called it female only. What I think would have been great is, first of all, don't paint it pink. Uh, maybe call it um, uh, for parking novices. <laughs> like, Or would everyone just take those spots because they're so generous? Well, I think you would just, if you saw a pink spot, you're going to be drawn to it naturally just because of the color. Of course, you know? because every woman is drawn to pink things. Well, of course, that's just science. Obviously, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) I know you are. Uh, I would be drawn to a pink one, too. What can I say? And if it's bigger, it's like, why wouldn't I take that? Less chance that my car is going to get hit by someone else. You know what? That is a very good point. I think that is that when people park, like when you go to the like Costco and everyone's got their you know, giant SUVs and everything and you open your door and you're just barely able to squeeze out, I would welcome the larger spot knowing that my car is less likely to get dinged. There you go. See, it's actually for uh, not the bad drivers themselves, but for the people who are that worried about the other bad drivers around them. So I think the extra, the extra wide parking spots are for the good drivers. So if they just, if they just spun it a little bit differently and they're like, are you a really good driver with a car that you think is nice, but probably isn't and you don't want it to get scratched park here and that way all the b- terrible drivers will be like three feet from you it's just it's just a spin i think exactly it's how you phrase and be like if you like to take your turns with a little more space on either <laughs> side than other people do perhaps yeah. you'd be interested in these parking spots as well uh i i think um if you are the person who needs to do a 20-point churn to back your car into a spot, maybe this this extra wide parking spot is for you. You know what would happen? It would be just like the airlines. They'll charge you double for it. It's like if you want to park here, you got to pay another $20. That's how it works. That's anyway, how they get you, exactly. It is. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> No, thank you, Pay. And thanks for tuning in today, everyone. I'll be back next Saturday from 3 until 4. You can always catch the podcast, paychen.com. Also, Twitter, Instagram, at paychen. My new thing, Snapchat. You can find me, paychen eats. Everyone texting in saying that they like the parking spots all happen to be men. Thank you, guys. You all want to make sure none of us scratch your cars. Yeah, you just wait. Have a great weekend, everyone.